0: Ladies, a man will never set up a new portal with a secret garden just for you,
1: okay? (laughs) He won't. He's not going to do that.
0: Hello, 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 everybody! I hope that you are having a fantastic day. Uh, we are super excited to be bringing you this House Moving Castle episode. In fact, so excited that we actually decided to go a little immersive on this one, and it does in fact sound like I am recording live from the bowels of House Moving Castle itself. Uh, <laughs> needless to say, we had some technical difficulties, so the audio quality is a little bit below our normal standard but we hope that you can enjoy the episode nonetheless. We had a great time recording it and we look forward to bringing you more animated April classics with good audio next week. So
1: hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Animated April. I can't believe this is our second animated movie. I'm
0: so excited. We're tackling another one of my favorites. So I really feel like
1: I'm being treated this month. (laughs) (laughs) We did start off with like one of your all time favorites, which is crazy Mm. um, because I'd never seen it. It So good. And we're going in a totally different, I guess it's not totally different movie, but it's like a different genre, a different studio, different country, even. Exactly. I don't know how much we should, you know, make the people beg for it. <laughs> we know you're you're all waiting with
0: bated breath. Right. But <laughs> in case you couldn't tell by the title of today's episode, we are doing the 2004 classic Howl's Moving Castle.
1: Yes, I have never seen this movie before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Staying true to my roots, um... I two years later, I'm still like I really don't <laughs> sit around and watch an animated movie.
0: But yeah, what a what a treat to be able to watch this for the first time. I still remember when I watched it for the first time. I was, I guess, it probably was like 2004, maybe 2005. Yeah. And um, my brother and I were visiting Canada, like with our family, and we were hanging out with some of my cousins who are quite a bit older than me, but a little bit closer to my brother's age. Right. And they asked if we had ever heard of this movie before and we said no. And they were like, oh, it's like the best. So they put it on for us. And I was just like, whoa, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And then we like immediately bought the DVD to have for ourselves. And I've just watched it like my whole childhood, basically, since it came out. Um, I've been watching this movie and have continued on into adulthood.
1: That's awesome. It's such a different movie than like the Disney classics that we grew Mm -hmm. up with because there is no explanation for some things that happen. And it's so, like, magical and whimsical. I just didn't know what to expect, I guess. Like, I guess this is considered anime, right? Or no? I guess? I guess in my mind, I think of, like, Pokemon and how at certain points there's just, like, like, faces are, like, dramatically enlarged or, like, there's, like, little noises and stuff. Like, the sharp contrast when something happens that the characters do that's, like, mm-hmm. super unrealistic, which I never really been into. But the way that they characterized all of the people in the movie, it was so, like, tasty. Like, when yeah. Howl has those like moments of like extreme emotions and stuff. I was like, whoa. Yeah,
0: this this movie is visually so stunning. I think it yeah. is of all of the Studio Ghibli movies I've seen, it is probably the most ornate and beautiful in my opinion. Especially in the kind of like set design, I suppose, like Hal's room specifically is so oh, incredibly detailed and ornate. And there's just such beautiful attention to detail throughout all of the visuals of this movie. So when I watch it, I really do feel just like so comforted and like happy. And it's just, I feel like I'm bathing in beauty. It's great.
1: Absolutely. So should we uh, hit him with
0: the numbers?
1: Yeah, I think it's time. We had a twenty-four million dollar budget. I'm like, that's pretty low budget, yeah. <laughs> pretty low budget, and they made almost ten times that amount. They made two hundred thirty-six million in the box office, as they should. An insane return.
0: It also had like really high um, viewership in cinemas. I think it had a forty percent higher viewership than spirited away oh wow which was the most recent uh, studio ghibli film before this i believe and that was um i think i can't remember if it won the oscar i think it did and i think that he like refused to accept the oscar wow because he was against the iraq war which is what then inspired
1: this film this movie yeah mm-hmm. moving right along i'll tell you a little bit more info Joe Hisashi wrote and conducted the New Japan Philharmonic's performance of the film's musical score. It is so
0: stunning. The main theme, merry-go-round of life, I listen to often. It is such a beautiful melody and the way that it's like interpolated throughout the entire score as kind of like Sophie and Hal's main love theme Mm -hmm. is really beautiful. I think that they use it in such versatile ways depending on the tone of the scene.
1: Yeah, I think that all the components came together beautifully in the film. Mm -hmm. Like, everything was in lockstep with each other. And I was so excited that Christian Bale was the voice of Hal. Like, (laughs) I'm a really big Christian Bale fan. I don't know if everyone knows this. Like, I love American Psycho and The Batman, a Christopher Nolan trilogy. And I didn't know that he was such a fan of Spirited Away that he asked for any role in the film and then ended up being cast as Howl for the English dub. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, he. um, I think he does a great job as Howl in the the English dub. We also
1: have Billy Crystal as Calcifer. I know. (laughs) I was so excited. As soon as I heard Calcifer speak, I was like, you're like, let's rock, let's rock. When let's Harry rock met today. Sa- <laughs> When Harry met Sally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was so happy. And then I thought about how he was in the last movie I saw him in when Harry met Sally, a literal heartthrob. And now he is a little burning fire, which was very funny. Little a
0: flame. Yes.
1: <laughs> he just kills the voiceovers. Like oh, he just so kills good. his voice acting. It's so I nice. Think
0: this is the only animated film he's done besides Monsters, Inc. I think it's just these two. But he's so good. Which is good. insane because he's so good. Yeah. He has such a distinct voice that really right. lends itself very well to uh, voice acting.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. We also have a very teeny tiny baby Josh Hutcherson as Markle. Oh, yeah. And uh, fun fact this was him and Jenna Malone's first movie together because she voices Sophie's sister. And they ended up working together, of course, in The Hunger Games. So very cool. Get your bag. Yeah. Uh, This movie is also inspired by uh, the novel of the same name by Diana Wynne Jones. And from what I've read, the plots are like quite different. And war is not as much of a theme in the book as it is in the movie. But that is because Miyazaki is like very fascinated by war. And that is a common theme in pretty much all of his movies, like war and pacifism. And I was reading a little bit about his backstory and he actually, his family was displaced twice in his like very early childhood by war. um, Which is why he's always been very anti-war his whole life. And that bleeds through into all the work that he creates. Mm -hmm. And since there wasn't a UK theatrical release of this film, Miyazaki actually personally traveled to the UK to give a private screening to Diana before the film was released and in response she said, It's fantastic. No, I have no input. I write books, not films. Yes, it will be different from the book. In fact, it's likely to be very different, but that's as it should be. It will still be a fantastic film. And she I love like that. absolutely adored what they put together. And I yeah, I love that relationship where you can take a source material, transform it into something new, and like both can stand on their own as different things, but still capturing right. the spirit in both of them.
1: Definitely, definitely. And really, lastly, I just wanted to reiterate this quote that Miyazaki said in 2013. Um, he said, I wanted to convey the message that life is worth living. And I don't think that's changed regarding how Hal's moving castle was his favorite creation. Beautiful. Just very sweet. Very. He sounds yeah. like a very sweet man. Well,
0: with that being said, before we dive in, we just want to remind you that out now on Patreon is our gigantic, titanic episode. Uh, We had the best time getting to record, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, we hope that you guys are really enjoying it. So if that interests you, head on over to Patreon and check it out. It's $5 a month. You get bonus episodes and a ton of other perks. So... Yeah, feel free to
1: head on over. We'd love to chat with you in the Discord. Yes. And with that being said, should we fly (laughs) right into it? Let's let's move on into it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the opening of the film actually starts in a way that's quite formulaic for studio ghibli movies which is that it often starts with a large uh, landscape shot and we just see this very foggy exterior and slowly we start to hear the sound of machinery as emerging through the fog is howl's moving castle and we get some like really interesting close-up shots of this castle it's so intricate and ornate it's it kind of is like a steampunk vibe almost yeah that's what i would say Mm -hmm. yeah and we see just all these different elements kind of cobbled together as Hal's Moving Castle moves through the countryside. And that is when we hear the beautiful melody of Merry-Go-Round-of-Life begin to play as we pan over the town where Sophie Hatter, her last name is in fact Hatter, I did have to look it up, <laughs> is uh, sewing a hat in her workshop. Her co-worker, I guess, comes in and says that they just close up the shop. Like, why don't you come out with all of us? But Sophie says, no, no, I better stay and finish this. You all go have fun. We then hear in the other room, the other girls who work at the hat shop start to gasp and giggle because they <laughs> notice in the distance Hal's moving castle. And they're like, oh, my God, is he in town? We then see some soldiers fly by in their planes, so the castle disappears back into the fog to hide from them. So the girls then gossip about how Hal once uh, tore a girl's heart out. And one of them's like, oh, I hope he doesn't to me. And then the other one, scathing, says, oh, don't worry. He only preys on pretty girls. (laughs) And they're like, hee, 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 hee. So they head out the door. Sophie finishes up the hat she's working on. And then grabs her own, much more plain-looking hat, putting it on her head before going out the door. Yeah.
1: She's just a shy gal, you know? She's like, better finish up work. I was saying as I was watching this, I was like, it's always the, like, most gorgeous girl in the hat shop mm. that's like, I can't hang out. Oh I have to gosh. work. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like, always so the most coquettish. gorgeous girl in the hat shop. Yeah.
1: So Sophie rides on the streetcar. We see the military planes flying overhead. It's so crazy to see the beauty of the town Mm -hmm. that they live in. Contrasted by the like constant war Mm -hmm. being conducted above them. Um, Yeah. And it's
0: especially shocking because we've just heard this like beautiful piano melody of uh, a merry-go-round of life. And then we kind of go really quickly into this loud, like, Propagandic like war music that feels like overwhelming and unnatural compared to like what we've just set the scene in which i think is very smart it really shows us how like off-putting the war feels
1: right so we see the tanks entering the town people are cheering at this parade for them And Sophie makes her way through some back alleys with an address in hand. She's clearly trying to get somewhere when she bumps into some soldiers who are like, oh, little mouse who lost her way. But Sophie's like, hi, like, I'm not lost. And the soldiers just start, like, flirting with her. And she clearly is uncomfortable they ask her how old she is if she lives around here like they're just really not letting her pass Mm -hmm. um it's super like disgusting to see and sophie tells them to leave her alone but they keep cornering her when oh my god a tall blonde (laughs) wizard comes up and Puts his hand on Sophie's shoulder and is like, There you are, sweetheart. Sorry I'm late. I was looking everywhere for you. And she's literally like, What? what? <laughs> and the soldiers are like, Oh, well, we're busy here. But he's like, Oh, really? It looks like you were just leaving, and like waves his hand, and the soldiers like do, 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 march away <laughs> under duress. And then he asks Sophie, where to? I'll be your escort. And (laughs) this is one of those things where it's like, it's creepy if you don't find him attractive. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Cause he's being just as creepy as the soldiers. Yeah. Now she's
0: alone with like one guy in an alley. Right. Who's touching her. He's touching her. Yeah, exactly.
1: So Sophie says she's just going to the bakery and he tells her not to be alarmed, but he's being followed. So just act normal. (laughs) It's always the most gorgeous girl in the hat shop. <laughs> Who gets cornered by a blonde wizard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they walk arm in arm through this alley. Sophie is in shock because we've set up the, you know, the idea that this kind of thing doesn't happen to Sophie that often. She's more of She's a, a meek, plain gal, quiet gal. She keeps to herself. The life of adventure is not one she sees for herself. And as they walk down this alley emerging from the walls are these blob men and that is what they are officially called I did google it these blob men emerge and they're also wearing hats I find it very interesting that almost everyone is wearing a hat through this entire movie it's
1: like they need accessories the amount Mm -hmm. of accessories is (laughs) the fact that um howl is moving how okay the fact that uh the blonde wizard is Mm -hmm. wearing like teardrop earrings and a matching necklace.
0: Yeah. And that little ring. And he's got this jacket that is like
1: so yeah. cool. They describe him later on as flamboyant. And that's correct. The drip yeah. is immaculate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like this little androgynous
0: wizard. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's also like these little, t- they're called tadpole monsters that like fly around and they're also wearing hats. Yeah. <laughs> Who did that? (laughs) Who did that? It's the attention to
1: detail. Yeah, that's so true.
0: These blob men are following them, and the wizard, we, it's Hal. We're just going to say we know it's Hal. We all know. Okay, it's Hal. Yeah. He's like, oh, looks like you're involved now. So they then turn a corner as, like, tons of blob men follow them. And they're about to get caught by blob men coming from the other side of the alley. So Hal grabs onto Sophie's waist and they fly up into the air. Uh. And it's, like, this beautiful moment of levity. Like, the way that their clothes are animated as they're, like, floating through the air is gorgeous. And we hear the melodies start to swell again. And he tells her to straighten her legs and start walking. So they, like, fly above the town, walking on air. He's, like, holding her hands behind her. I was like, oh, my God, this is steamy. So (laughs) he's like, oh, you're a natural. And then he lands her on this balcony and says, I'm going to go draw them off. So just wait here until the coast is clear. And then before he flies away... He looks at Sophie and says, that's my girl. And I was like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Me? Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. Gets me every time.
1: So Sophie finally arrives at her destination. She's visiting her sister, Letty, voiced by Jenna Malone. who's working at the bakery. Mm -hmm. And Letty gets a message that, Her sister's there. So she rushes upstairs and asks how she floated down onto the balcony. And I guess, like, (laughs) someone's informed her that she, like, floated down here. Yeah. And Sophie was like, oh, my God, that happened. Like, I thought that was a dream. (laughs) But I guess wizards exist in this world. So, like, now we're getting acclimated. Mm -hmm. But I love how that wasn't. I live in a a world where wizards exist. Fucking James Cameron loves that shit. (laughs) So, we just kind of naturally find out. Yes. And Sophie tells her the whole story. She's like, he was so kind. He rescued me. And Letty says that the wizard was trying to steal her heart. And she's lucky it wasn't Howl. Otherwise, he would have eaten it. Mm. So, we got some rumors yeah. around. And Sophie says, no. Howl only goes after pretty girls. And I'm like... <laughs> Do you want your heart to get eaten? Like at this point, you believe that that's what would happen. Right. Um, So maybe just enjoy being a plain Jane. Yeah. So Letty tells her that she needs to be more careful. Even the witch of the waste is back on the prowl. Mm. Yeah. I do
0: love that they don't spoon feed us in this movie. Like they are very light up in the air. Yeah. They're very light handed with the exposition, which I thoroughly enjoy
1: definitely definitely because then it allows you to get acclimated to the world mm-hmm. and be like oh i'm i'm in the world not like okay here's my freaking history lesson yeah here's my cheat sheet on what's going on like you get to discover exactly. things along the way how exciting agreed so sophie's like got a blast and letty asks her <laughs> if she plans on spending her whole life in the hat shop but Sophie's like, it meant so much to our dad. And Letty's like, no, I'm not asking about dad. I'm asking you if you want to be a milliner, mm-hmm. hat maker, it's a specific word. And she says it's her life and she has to do something for herself for once. It's
0: always the most gorgeous milliner in the hat show. <laughs> Tell me about it. So we then get our first glimpse of... The Wicked Witch of the Waste. And we don't actually see her, but we see her blob men scurry back into this little container that she keeps them in. So she is the one who sent them after Howl and now knows that Howl was walking with Sophie. So she then has her other blob henchmen carry her in her little one-person carriage off into the darkness. So Mm -hmm. keep that in your back pocket. We then go back to the hat shop where Sophie locks the door. You know, it's it's at night at this point. Yeah. And all of a sudden a woman enters the hat shop in the most like villainous villainy outfit I've ever seen in my entire life. Like she again she looks like Ursula. She's wearing a hat because how could she not? It's like this like furry, like black hat and this long black dress and a long black cloak Mm -hmm. and Sophie's like um the shop is closed but the woman comes in anyway and just immediately goes off on her and is like tears her to shreds dude what a tacky little shop with all these tacky little hats but the tackiest thing in here is you and Sophie's just like okay you gotta leave like (laughs) we're closed Thank you for that. So she opens the door for this woman to leave. But the woman says, oh, you're rather plucky, trying to stand up to the Wicked Witch of the Waste. (gasps) Oh, my God. So Sophie is rightfully shocked and terrified. And the blob men show up at the door blocking her path. And then the Wicked Witch of the Waste just like... flies past her. And before she leaves, she says, the best part of this spell is you won't be able to tell anyone about it. Send my regards to Hal. Um,
1: what the fuck just happened?
0: And let us not forget, Sophie has never seen this person before, has no idea who she is, just knows that somebody came and put, like, a fucking just curse got on called her. called Tacky?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we find out that the spell turned Sophie into an old woman and she sees her hands there they aged mm-hmm. cl- like obviously and she um, rushes to a mirror in disbelief and she tries to stay calm she's like there's no sense in panicking <laughs> she does a pretty good job at staying calm she's yeah. pretty rational mm-hmm. we find out but yeah she's not she's not pleased. So in the next scene, it's morning, and Sophie's mother comes home from her trip with just tons of new hats. And she goes to see Sophie in her workshop, but the girls are like, oh, she hasn't come downstairs yet. So her mom goes up to see her, and Sophie's like, oh, I have a really bad cold. Like, I can't come to the phone right now. And (laughs) her mom is like, oh, my God, you sound like a 90-year-old woman. And Sophie's like, yeah, I just need to rest and she looks at herself in the mirror and tells herself it's not so bad. She's still in pretty good shape and uh, at least her clothes finally suit her. <laughs> but she decides that she can't stay here for long. So she gets dressed, packs up some food and one of those little like sachets and like one of those little handkerchiefs that yeah. you tie to a stick if
0: you're yeah. running away from
1: home. <laughs> exactly. She gets herself ready and she hitches a ride with some farmers asking them to take her as far as they can.
0: So they take her all the way to the edge of the waste, which is essentially this big countryside mountainous area that nobody lives except for witches and wizards. And they're like, you're crazy to keep going. There's nothing but witches and wizards ahead, but she keeps on hiking through the waste Mm -hmm. and she ends up taking a break during her hike to have a snack, and that's when she notices a branch sticking out of a bush and says, oh, that would be a really nice walking cane for me in my now old age. So she digs it out of the shrub to see that it's actually the base of a scarecrow in a suit and a top hat. And it's like clearly enchanted because it stands up on its own. It has like a little pipe in its mouth and everything. So she's like, Oh, your head is a turnip. I always hated (laughs) turnips. Bye bye. (laughs) And like, continues off on her journey. And as she is hiking up the the hill, she notices the scarecrow is following her. And she's like, Oh, like, no need to follow me. No need to thank me. I've had enough with witches and spells. Like, get the fuck away from me. Mm -hmm. But the scarecrow catches up to her and hands her a walking cane that he has found for her. So she thanks him and is like, Oh, while you're at it, if you could run off and find me a place to sleep, that would be great. She also names him turnip So that is yeah. what he called for the rest of the movie. <laughs> so turnip hops around, gets off to find her a place to sleep. And Sophie laughs and she's like, Oh, I've become more cunning in my old age. And this is, like, a pretty common thing that we see through the movie, where now that Sophie is old, she kind of, like, doesn't have the same hang-ups that she used to and doesn't really care. Yeah, she loves being old, dude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is what She's I love a great time. about this movie. I feel like it is such a love letter to older women, because we, A, rarely ever get to see them on screen, and we see Sophie get to be her authentic bold, brave self when she Mm -hmm. is in her old form.
1: Yeah, she really learns how to be more confident, kind of do what she wants to do. And it does kind of speak to the fact that as we will age, hopefully Mm -hmm. we'll be less like abashed about acting a certain type of way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is really nice to see her go from this meek, Woman who wouldn't even like go hang out with her friends mm-hmm. when she was done with work to like someone who's just like I'm freaking talking to myself. I'm having an adventure. Yeah, yeah. I'm making up lies. <laughs> like, and that's not to say that she becomes like mean in her old age. She still no
0: you no know, no maintains all. her kind and like uh, compassionate spirit. Mm-hmm. So eventually, Sophie gets too tired from the journey and the cold to keep hiking. So she sits down. But then she smells smoke and thinks, oh, maybe there's a cabin nearby, somebody has started a fire somewhere. But instead, Turniphead comes hopping over and he has found Hal's moving castle for her to spend the night in. So she is, of course, shocked, but she does eventually decide to board the castle and tells Turniphead that surely Hal won't want an ancient heart like hers. So she thanks Turniphead, tells him to take care, and she boards the castle.
1: Sophie enters the castle. It's dark. The fire's almost out. So she grabs a couple of extra logs and throws them on and notices what a freaking dump the place is. <laughs> so she says to herself that a nice thing about getting old is that nothing scares you. So she's like, What's the point of me being worried about hopping yeah. on a moving castle? Let's get this show on the road. And she starts falling asleep when the fire begins looking at her. And he's like, I don't have me, you. And that's one bad curse you're under. And let me guess, the curse doesn't let you talk about it. <gasps> and that's my best Billy Crystal impression. <laughs> So she's shocked that the fire is talking to her and asks if he's Howl, But he's like, no, I'm Calcifer. I'm a fire demon. And Sophie asks if he can break her curse. And he says if she can break the curse that he is under, then he'll help her. And Sophie makes him promise. And he says demons don't make promises. Sophie says to find someone else then, but Calcifer says the spell keeps him stuck in this castle. And Hal treats him like a slave to keep the hot water and the rooms warm. Sophie does agree to do the deal as she falls asleep.
0: Oh, I love Calcifer.
1: Very fun character. So the next day we see a bunch of
0: military ships pulling out of the harbor. They're going off to war. This is in a different town, obviously, than Sophie's. And we see that the mayor has gone to see the great wizard Jenkins at his house. Mm -hmm. So he knocks on the door and from inside the castle, Sophie is woken up by said knock. So that's when this little boy, Markle, starts running down the stairs. So Sophie pretends to be asleep. (laughs) and He's just like, who the fuck is this? And Calcifer is like, hey, the knock is coming from the Port Haven door. So Markle puts on this cloak, which gives him the disguise of having, like, a long beard as if he is, like, a very old, small man.
1: Yes. And
0: <laughs> he goes to the door and switches this, like, dial to the side, which changes it to the Port Haven door. hmm So he opens it up, and the mayor asks if Master Jenkins is home, and he gives Markle a letter from the king saying that he must now fight in the war and report to the palace immediately.
1: Wow. So Markle comes back inside and it's like, who are you? (laughs) And Sophie's like, oh, um, Calcifer, let me in. I wandered in here from the wastes. And Markle asks if she's a witch and Calcifer's like, I never let a witch in. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Come on. There's another knock at the door. This time it is a customer. It's this like cute little girl. She's like, "I'm here to pick up a spell for my mom." Yeah. And Sophie looks outside and notices that they're not at the waste. In fact, they're at the seaside town of Port Haven. And she's like, uh, "What? Crazy." And then the Kingsbury doorbell rings. So again, the door setting changes. And we see it's someone um, from the palace looking for Wizard Pendragon, also telling him that he is required to, he's required at the palace to join the war. Mm. So Sophie turns the doorknob again, and this time they're back at the Waste. Then they go back to Port Haven, and Sophie asks where the black door leads to, and he says, Only Master Howl knows. Mm. There are so many secrets. We're discovering so many things. It's not only a moving castle, but it exists in multiple dimensions.
0: Well, it's in the same dimension. It's just in different areas.
1: I guess by dimension, I mean like it teleports.
0: Yeah, it is. It's definitely like magical and just it exists in different uh,
1: locations. Mm hmm. And then we're like, let's get back to basics for a second. What's for breakfast? (laughs) And Markle grabs some, like, bread and cheese, like a loaf of bread out of a drawer. And I'm like, what's up? (laughs) That's going to give you – that's going to get you sick. But Sophie goes over to where the food is and notices that they have bacon and eggs just sitting there. And she's like – don't you want bacon and eggs for breakfast? But Markle's like, well, we can't use the fire when master Hal isn't here. And Sophie, like in one ear out the other, (laughs) just grabs the skillet and Calcifer is like, I'm not taking any orders from you. But Sophie is like, well, do you want me to pour a bucket of water on you? Mm -hmm. She also threatens to tell Hal about their deal. So he does acquiesce. And, sophie like smashes he just it's like the way that they do the animation she puts the pan down and he's like transformed into just a flame like a range like a burner yeah Yeah. (laughs) so sophie throws just the thickest oh my god slabs of bacon on the pan and he's like, "Here is another curse. May all your bacon burn."
0: Yeah, this is some of my favorite um, Studio Ghibli food because, like, the food animation in all of the, the movies looks so good. And I don't even eat meat; it just yeah. looks so good. But th- I cannot stress enough just how thick,
1: yeah, these slabs of bacon are. Like T H I K U E, almost like <laughs> steaks. Yeah, it's just funny next to the eggs because the eggs look kind of realistic, but the bacon yeah. is just like the. Thickest motherfucking (laughs) bacon ever. Yeah.
0: So this is when Howl comes in through the black door, looking exhausted. And Markle rushes up to tell him about the letters from the king, both to Jenkins and Pendragon. And Howl goes up to Sophie. And in case you didn't know, this is the same guy that she met before. He is surprised to see that Calcifer is being so obedient and says, not just anybody can make him do that. Mm -hmm. And Sophie is like, oh, hello, I'm Grandma Sophie, your new cleaning lady. And Hal's like, here, Grandma, let, let me take over the cooking. So he grabs a skillet from her. A man who can cook. I know. And so she asked her to, like, hand him these eggs. And the way that he just cracks them with, like, one hand against the base of the fire pit Mm -hmm. and, like, puts them I was like, you need to stop seducing me right now, Hal, because it's a little much. Okay? (laughs) He also feeds the shells to Calcifer. To Calcifer. And I was like, I love
1: composting.
0: Yeah. A sustainable king we love. Mm -hmm. So he asked Sophie... Who hired her? And she says, Oh, it was Calcifer. He was disgusted by how dirty this house is. And she I, yokes. when I watched it, I did watch it with um, subtitles on. So the subtitles are more direct translations from the original Japanese. And in the subtitles, she actually says that she hired herself because
1: she saw, oh, like, how dirty it
0: was. This does, like, change the meaning a little bit. But, um, it's a, it's a detail that we'll circle back to later when some more things are revealed.
1: Ooh. So they all sit down for breakfast at the less-than-clean table, <laughs> and Margo's like, I can't remember the last time I had a real breakfast and just starts, like, lum, 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 just chowing down, like, slurping up the fried eggs. It's mm-hmm. pretty hilarious. Yeah. And Hal Sophie what she has hidden in her pocket. And she's like, Hidden in my pocket. What? And reaches in and finds a little red card. So she hands it to him and it burns up when he touches um his skin, leaving a scorch mark on the table. And Hal recognizes it as Ancient Sorcery from the Witch of the Waste. And it says, You have swallowed a falling star or oh heartless man. Your heart shall soon belong to me. Then Hal uses his magic to like simply just like erase this etch in, from the table. He's like, that's going to ruin the table. <laughs> and then he gets up and asks Calcifer to move the castle 60 miles to the west before he heads upstairs to take a bath. And he's like, hey, warm up some water for my bath too.
0: I love that Hal's a bath girly. I'm like, same. I love a bath.
1: Yeah. Every single time he's like, I need to take a bath. Mm -hmm. Get the hot water for me. Come on. I got to
0: soak. I got to sit in my
1: feelings. Mm Got to fiddle around with my various potions and hair dyes in there. (laughs) Right. Right. So Marco asks Sophie if she's working for the Witch of the Waste. And she says that she would never. She's like repulsed by the thought of it. And she's like, she's the one who, but because she's not able to talk about the curse, she's like, and it's all muffled and just vows to wring her neck if she ever gets her hands on her.
0: Again, she's like able to be so free and bold in her old lady form. I love
1: it. Yeah.
0: So we then get this great cleaning montage where she is sweeping up this filthy castle. There are so many little critters bugs various animals of varying sizes that are living in this castle and as she is cleaning she's sweeping away calcifer is begging for more firewood because he is about to go out he is clinging for dear life to the remains of those logs but she's like oh you're being so dramatic hush hush And lifts the teeny tiny log that he's on and puts it onto this little, like, iron pot thing Mm -hmm. while she's sweeping up the ashes. Calcifer is hanging on for dear life. He is falling off the log while she takes her sweet time, sweeping away the ashes, taking them outside. And in the process, the log burns up. It crumbles. Calcifer falls and goes out.
1: What does it all mean?
0: We're, we got to put the puzzle pieces together as we as we go along. So Hal then puts some fresh logs on the fireplace and he picks up the glowing blue remains of Calcifer and blows on him to bring him back to life, back to his his uh, orange-red fire form.
1: Right, right.
0: So he puts Calcifer on the logs and when Sophie comes back in, Hal tells her he would appreciate it if she didn't torment his friend he goes out the black door and leaves mm. so calcifer then explains to sophie that if he dies hell goes with him so that's crazy you gotta be careful with calcifer
1: yeah so sophie continues her cleaning spree in hell's bathroom which looks like it suffered from a nuclear explosion and mm-hmm. And she opens the window to see the castle just moving through the waste and tells Calcifer how impressed she is. She's like, I like your spark. This makes Calcifer just super happy. Um, it's like night and day and they're suddenly BFFs. And mm-hmm. the castle is moving full steam ahead while Sophie admires the view from the balcony. And I really liked that scene where she goes out because even though... There's so much, like, ha- there's so much happening, honestly. There's, yeah. like, her whole thing. There's the thing happening with how fighting for the army. Like, just so much. But there's, uh, like, calm beauty mm-hmm. to her just in- enjoying the view from the balcony. That's when Markle and Sophie notice a stick stuck below. So what happens? They pull it out, and it's turnip head. It's turnip head. He found them. And he jumps around the castle and Sophie tells Markle that he's been following her around everywhere. And then the castle comes to a stop by the lake.
0: So they're at this beautiful scenic lake, and Markle and Turniphead, they help Sophie string up the laundry to dry. And Sophie and Markle set up this cute little table with like chairs and tea and toast. (laughs) It's adorable. I really love the the relationship between Markle and Sophie. It's, like, so, oh, it's so sweet. sweet. He's such an endearing little rambunctious boy. And, um, yeah, I really love their, their kinship together. So they're having this little picnic. And Markle speculates as to whether or not termi- Turniped is a demon. Because Calcifer doesn't seem to mind having him around. And Sophie is like, oh, you know. Since he led me here, maybe he's the good kind of demon. And it's really at this point onward that we start to see changes in Sophie's physicality. Like, she's no longer small and hunched over. She's actually restored to her normal height. And we see that she looks visibly younger. And this happens, like, at varying points through the movie where I think when Sophie is feeling confident or when she's feeling at peace or when she's feeling like sure of a decision, like really whenever she's feeling her most self is when she starts to appear like her former self, not the cursed uh, exterior that she has. Right. So later we see Sophie sitting by the water and she tells Markle that when you're old, all you want to do is stare at the scenery and she's never felt more peaceful. It's strange. Hmm. And I just, like, I love this. I love this idea of, like, dignity and peace and a, like, really strong sense of self in age.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, Hal is having a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. He is in his bird form flying over the warlands in the neighboring kingdom where the lands are deviated by falling bombs Um, And warcrafts are shooting each other down. So it's incredibly dark and chaotic. And the color, it's like really, truly gray. Mm -hmm. So just completely contrast the previous scene. And the aircrafts also release these tadpole monsters that swarm Hal and try to attack him before he escapes. Early morning, Hal finally returns to the castle and just slumps down in his chair by the fire When Calcifer asks if he's okay, we see he slowly transforms from his bird self back to his regular self, and Calcifer tells him to stop flying around like that because soon he won't be able to turn back into a human. And Hal's just like, this war is terrible. They've bombed from the southern coast to the north border, and my own kind attacked me today some hack wizards who turned themselves into monsters for the king. And Calcifer tells them that they're going to regret that because after the war, they'll never be able to turn back into humans. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. And Hal says after the war, they won't even remember that they were humans. Wow, They really drop that in the middle of... I mean, I, I knew the reference to the war was in there, but like... Mm-hmm. If this is pretty cutting,
0: yeah I mean the the idea of these wizards turning themselves into this monster form and like uh, their loss of humanity, yeah um that they kind of have to undergo in order to fight in this war is definitely like an allegory for um PTSD for sure for like soldiers who have seen committed and been subject to these atrocities and how. Right. You are forever changed by that and you don't ever come back the same.
1: Mm -hmm. And Calcifer mentions that Hal himself is supposed to report to the king, but Hal just tells him to make hot water for his bath and he heads upstairs and Hal peeks in at Sophie sleeping. And that's when we see that she's fully her young self. Mm -hmm. Like she looks like nothing has ever changed. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: They don't include it in the movie like there's I guess kind of like allusions to it but in the book apparently Sophie is actually um, she has magical powers as well that she doesn't know until like later on and that's how she's kind of able to combat the curse that she was uh, put under but I like that they kind of leave it more ambiguous in the movie. Yeah. So in the morning, Sophie wakes up as an old woman again to the sound of Howl's running bathwater. And later on, she goes out into Port Haven with Markle, who is in his little old man disguise, to get some groceries at the market. So as they're shopping, (laughs) there's also this one little line where Sophie's everything that Sophie wants to buy. Markle just goes, I hate potatoes. I hate fish. And that's when they notice this commotion down by the water and there's a ship pulling into the harbor that has been irreversibly damaged.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's sinking. Yeah. In battle. It's going. It's
0: going to be Titanic references all month long, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so the people in the crowd talk about how like this was their most advanced battleship. So this is really not a good sign. Then Sophie notices one of the blob men walking around in the crowd. So she hides her and Markle until he goes the other way. When suddenly, an enemy plane flies over, dropping bombs into the water. And with it, they also drop enemy propaganda flyers.
1: Oh, yeah. Sophie and Markle rush back to the castle for safety when... (laughs) Out of the blue. I love this scene. Owl starts screaming and running out of the bathroom I'm in a towel. And he's like, I told you not to rearrange my potions. And I used the wrong one. Like, his hair is bright orange. She's like, I just rearranged some stuff. And he's like, I told you not to go crazy. He's having a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Like, level 10, white chick's bitch fit yeah having a mentee bee for sure a mentee bee, yes and he's like now i'm repulsive i can't live like this and just slumps down in the chair as his hair turns black while he cries he's like i give up i see no point in living if i can't be beautiful <laughs> I mean, he was a very beautiful man, but come Mm -hmm.
0: on. I'm like, you're still beautiful. Like, you'll you'll be beautiful no matter what your hair color, but the theatrics and the dramatics are... The dramatics. Incredible. It is so funny to me. And, like, with other Mm -hmm. Studio Ghibli movies, we don't get this much humor in the writing as much. Like, most of the humor is more, like, either physical... Or it's like, oh, so cute. Like, cutesy more humor. Yeah. But this movie actually has a lot of uh, comedy baked into the dialogue, which I really enjoyed.
1: Baked right in. Mm Mm-hmm. Suddenly, everything goes dark and the castle begins rumbling. And Markle says Hal is calling the spirits (laughs) of darkness. He saw him do it once when a girl dumped him. (laughs) And Sophie's like, they're there. Okay. (laughs) Emotionally. It seems like someone needs to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Seems like someone is operating from an unhealed place. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And his skin begins oozing this green goo as shadows swirl just like around him. And Sophie's like, Oh, you think you've got it bad? I've never once been beautiful my entire life, and she goes out the door to the waste where it's pouring rain and Sophie cries in the rain when turnip head Aww. comes up behind her with an umbrella oh, angel
0: love turnip head mm-hmm. so while Sophie is crying, Markle rushes out and he's like, "Sophie, you gotta get back inside. It's an emergency." So we go in to see where Hal's goo is literally about to drown Calcifer. And Sophie is like, oh, such drama. You're just throwing a tantrum. And then she has to carry goo-covered Howl up the stairs. This grown-ass man making this old woman carry him up the stairs because of his theatrics. And in the process, like, his towel falls off and she has to, like, drag his body to the bathroom so that Markle can bathe him from his seeping goo. This is
1: just so relevant. I just feel like this is so relevant. Men can just be so dramatic, dude.
0: Mm -hmm. This is what happens when you don't have a healthy outlet for your emotions.
1: Absolutely. You start seeping your goo all over everyone else. You start fucking making the house go dark. Calling the spirits.
0: (laughs) So Hal is resting in his room, his, like, incredibly ornate room, just filled with, like, tchotchkes as far as the eye can see. He's got a green thumb. Yes. He absolutely does. (laughs) So many plants. He takes good care of them, clearly. And she brings him some warm milk. And he asks her to stay, so she sits by his bed. And that's when one of the crystals on this, like, for lack of a better term, like, mobile, mobile, whatever it's called. The thing that hangs over, like, a baby's crib. A mobile, (laughs) I think. Um, There's a crystal on there that starts shining, and that lets him know that the Witch of the Waste is trying to find his castle. So he explains to Sophie that he's a coward for trying to hide from her and that all this magic magic is just to keep everybody away. And he tells her that the witch of the waste has been trying to hunt him down because she was once beautiful and he pursued her, but then he realized she wasn't and he ran away. Oh yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of giving like a beast from beauty and the beast almost like, yeah. He's under a curse. There's a witch involved. He thought there's, you know, beauty involved. And he says that he can't run for much longer because he has to report to the palace as both Pendragon and Jenkins. And he uses as many aliases as he needs in order to keep his freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So Sophie suggests that he just refuse the invitation, but Hal says that he took an oath when he entered the Sorcery Academy and he has to appear when summoned. So she says that he should just go to the king and tell him that this war is pointless and that he refuses to take part. The king should care about what his citizens have to say. And then Howell lurches up, bang, bang, boom, idea time and says, Sophie, you should go in my place pretending to be my mother. Say that I'm too cowardly to show my face and then Madam Solomon will have to give up on me.
1: Sure. (laughs) I don't know why. This plan doesn't sound foolproof to me. No. So they immediately put this into action. Sophie heads off to the palace, and Hal gives her a ring which will guarantee her safe return home and tells her that she'll be okay because he'll be following in disguise. Mm. So Sophie heads off to the castle where she's eventually followed by this little dog, and the dog has, like, duck feet Mm -hmm. or, like, chicken feet. Yeah. And she just assumes that it's Howl. Meanwhile, she notices the blob men carrying the Witch of the Waste in her chariot. And the witch thanks Sophie for passing her scorching love note to Hal and asks what business she has at the castle. And Sophie says she's job hunting, sick of working for Hal, And the Witch of the West says she received an invitation from the king since that Idiot Solomon realized that she finally needs her power in the war. So she really thinks that she's invited so that they can be like please, please you're so powerful help please help us and I'm like you got to know this is a trap on some level. Mm-hmm. So Sophie's like oh if you're so great then you should break the curse that you put on me but the witch of the west says her talent is in spell casting not breaking them.
0: So they finally get onto the palace grounds, and we see the blob men just, like, immediately start melting into nothing because no, like, vehicles are allowed, so she's got to continue on foot. So the Witch of the Waste gets out of her chariot and begins to climb up a simply comical amount of stairs.
1: Yeah, it's it is a pretty funny insane situation.
0: <laughs> how how long of a trek this is. And Dog Howl is too... His legs are too short to make it up the stairs. So Sophie also has to, like, carry him up all these stairs. And he looks like a heavy dog. Like, he's... Yeah. He's no toy poodle. He's no chihuahua. He's he's a hefty boy. So Sophie and the Witch of the Waste are struggling to get up these stairs. Like, the Witch of the Waste is just melting and she says that she waited 50 years to be invited here since Solomon banished her to live in the waste and she is not missing it so
1: <laughs> yeah her sweat is sweating at this point mm-hmm. like she says audibly I don't think I'm gonna make it yeah and I'm like I don't think so either. No. I'm like one breeze and you're tumbling down all those stairs sugar we going down swinging mm-hmm. number one
0: with a bullet? Is
1: that a bullet? loaded gun? Yeah.
0: Be number, a number one with a bullet. bullet. Loaded gun. Loaded. And a cock it and bullet.
1: Yeah. Something. Loaded gun concept. Loaded gun. Loaded gun. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So. <laughs> so they. Inside.
0: Yeah, they make it upstairs finally yeah, after yes. a very long time. And Sophie just looks at the Witch of the Ways and is like, pull yourself together.
1: (laughs) She it's so funny because she like cheers her on. She's like, You can do um, it. One of the attendants is standing there and she's like, Can you help her? (laughs) And he's like, Oh, um, sorry, I'm not allowed. And so she's like, Come on, come on, you're almost there.
0: It was this humiliation horror show that they gotta put him through. Right.
1: I, w- I felt like that was so weird. Mm-hmm. They're like, get out of your chariot. Oops, sorry, can't oh, help you. Sorry. And she's just dying out there. Yeah. So they get brought into a waiting room, and the Witch of the Waste rushes over to the one chair in this huge room. And while that's happening, the little dog that's been following around Sophie scurries off. So Sophie follows dog, you know, she thinks it's, it's howl. So she follows the dog, where she is greeted by a palace boy. Meanwhile, some curtains open in the waiting room to reveal giant heat bulbs. And all these heat bulbs are turned on and just blast the Witch of the Waste.
0: It is a horrific image like you with the sound that they use for the bulbs as well as well like i feel like i can feel them every time i watch it
1: yeah oh it's visceral
0: so sophie is led to meet Madame solomon in this like gorgeous greenhouse atrium with like floor to ceiling windows looking out onto the greenery of the palace and she notices that the dog formerly known as howl is sitting next to Solomon. So it is in fact not Howl, but actually Solomon's errand dog Heen, who she had escort Sophie up here. Right. So Sophie's like, oh my god, that's so embarrassing. Anyways, so the reason I'm here. Uh, Howl sent me to tell the king that he would be useless in this war. Like, don't even bother. Cut your losses. You're better off, honestly. And Solomon explains that Howell was the last apprentice that she ever took on, and she had never seen Mm -hmm. such a gifted student. Wow. She had planned on Howell replacing her as, like, the head sorcerer, advisor, etc. But then his heart was stolen by a demon, and he never finished his apprenticeship and since he has used his magic only for selfish reasons. She says that Howl is dangerous and too powerful for someone without a heart, and if he stays selfish, he'll end up like the Witch of the Waste.
1: Ooh. Then they wheel the Witch of the Waste in, and she's like, I don't really know how to put it. I, I don't know if like the heat lamp melted a lot of her, Or if they talk about how they reversed, aged, not reversed, aged, they aged her because she had been using magic to stay young.
0: Yeah, it restores her to her true age. Honestly, not unlike Tangled.
1: Oh, yeah, that's so true. But yeah, so they restore her to what she should look like at her age. And all of her powers are gone now. She, like, how... Had so much potential, but then made a deal with a demon of greed who consumed her body and soul. So she says, If Hal agrees to serve the kingdom in the war, then she'll show him how to break from his demon. And if not, she'll strip him of his powers. So that's wow. heavy. Yeah. Sophie gets up and says, Enough. Hal would never be so heartless to do what you do here. He may be selfish and cowardly, but his intentions are good and he just wants to be free, which is true. I mean, Mm. he just wants to live his life without feeling like he's fighting for like a war that he doesn't believe in. Yeah. And I I agree with that. Mm -hmm. So as Sophie continues, she turns back into her youngest self and says, Hal won't come here. He doesn't need your help. He can fix this problem. With his demon on his own. I'm certain of it. So Solomon says she gets it now. Sophie is in love with Hal. (gasps) Whoa. I could see that a mile away though. Yeah. (laughs) So Sophie goes back to her old self and recoils as the witch of the waste grabs onto her dress and goes on about how Hal belongs to her. And Solomon says that she now knows Hal's weakness. That's a mouthful.
0: Yeah. So then the king enters, flying in on a little plane, and he thanks Sophie for coming, and is like, oh, but don't worry, I've decided not to use magic to win this war. Since Solomon's magic keeps the palace safe from bombs, they end up landing on neighboring civilians, and we can't have that, can we?
1: No, no, no. And
0: Solomon is like, wow, your majesty you're very, like, well-spoken today. And then who comes in? The real king. And he is, like, a total fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> she was able to immediately catch that this is not the king. And he's just like, oh, what's up, Solomon? Like, I have a new battle plan. We're gonna blast the fuck out of them. Anyways, see ya later. He pieces out. And Solomon is like, Uh, Howl, it's nice to see you, but didn't I teach you to do a better disguise than that? And he says, I wasn't trying to fool you. I kept my oath to report when summoned, and now I have, so we'll be leaving. Mm -hmm. But before they can go, Solomon uses her magic to create, like, a ton of waves that crash against them. And then, like, the water around them turns into, like, them floating above the wastes and like the battlefield as the witch of the waste yeah. is like clinging to sophie's dress trying not to fall to her death and Hal tells sophie not to look down and Solomon says it's time to show his mother what he really is so we see these magic shooting stars start to explode all around them and they become these like figures that kind of encircle them As Howell transforms into his bird self. Yes. So while holding onto Sophie, he flies up and they crash through the atrium ceiling like the illusion broken. And they land on his little plane and they fly off with Heen jumping onto the plane just before takeoff.
1: Just in the nick of time.
0: Yeah. It's a very chaotic sequence.
1: (laughs) There's a lot that happens. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Lots of moving parts, but they do end up flying through the sky, albeit pursued by the guards. And Hal has Sophie take over so he can distract the guards while she flies back to the castle. And Hal's like, just think of Calcifer, and you'll be guided by the magic ring I gave you. And she asks why he made her um, go to Solomon if he was planning on showing up anyways. But he says, knowing she was there, gave him the courage to do it. She saved him, and Hal then gives Sophie five minutes of invisibility while she flies off in bird form, just to, like, escape unseen.
0: Yes, so back at the palace, Solomon tells her palace boys who, this is a detail that I don't think I'd really consciously picked up on before, but the palace boys look a lot like Hal, like, they have the same hairstyle and everything.
1: Yeah, they look like berries and cream. hmm And so... <laughs> and so... <laughs> or, like, Lord Farquaad, but blonde.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that the implication is that even though Howell, like, did leave his apprenticeship, um, he did continue to dye and style his hair like one of those apprentices. So he never quite let that fully go. And basically, Solomon tells these boys that that was the most fun she's had in a while, and Hal must think that he's evaded her, but she bets that his mother can help her find him.-hmm. Meanwhile, we see that guards show up at the doors of both Pendragon and Jenkins, but when they bust through those doors, they find nothing but empty shells of buildings and like an empty courtyard. so got him. they evaded them once again. <laughs> Sophie then flies through the rain, following the path of the ring to lead back to the castle, and she does, like, low-key, high-key crash into the mouth of it, which crashes into the living room, but luckily everyone is fine. Later that night, the Witch of the Waste is sleeping, and so does Sophie as her young self when Howl finally comes back in, still in bird form. And Calcifer says, this is bad. He's gone too far. So Sophie wakes up and she notices his bird footprints and feathers. So she lights a candle and goes up to his bedroom. And inside she walks through this cave that just like his room is kind of just ridden with treasures and trinkets all through. And the paths diverge. So she goes down one where she finds Howl curled up in bird form, breathing heavily. Wow. She asks if he's in pain, but he asks her to stay away. She says she won't and she's going to help him break the spell he's under. But Hal says she can't even break her own spell. Wow. So he's known the whole time. Sophie then tells Hal that she loves him, but he says it's too late and he retreats further into his cave. And Sophie turns old again.
1: No! It's
0: so heartbreaking!
1: hmm So the next thing we see, Sophie wakes up back in her bed, and Calcifer tells her that Hal just got in, and he looks terrible. She better figure out how to break their spell soon, because Hal is running out of time. And Sophie tells Calcifer that when Solomon said the story about how Hal's heart was stolen by a demon— And asks what he knows, but, like, Calcifer refuses to tell her the real story. Mm -hmm. Outside, Sophie, with the help of Turniphead and Markle, opens up the mouth of the castle so they can push the plane out from where it crash-landed. Then at lunch, the Witch of the West keeps staring at Calcifer, and he's getting freaked out. But, Hal comes down, just in amazing spirits and a puffy white shirt... (laughs) He's all cheery and laughs about how Sophie crashed the plane into the castle and also um, greets Turniphead and says that he's got a nasty spell on him. And Hal's like, we have a lot of work to do. You know, we're moving. Solomon is hot on their trails, so they have to hurry.
0: It really is a big turnaround from, you know, Sophie's last interaction with Hal, even like the day before he is, you know, High spirits, super happy, and I think it's definitely because he knows that Sophie loves him. Definitely. So it's now time for them to move. Hal makes some markings on the ground outside the castle in chalk, and then also on their living room floor, he draws a chalk emblem. He brings Calcifer over to it, and using his magic, he transforms and transports the castle. And, like, we do see this really cool process of how, like, the room widens up. We see new rooms being created and everything. Mm -hmm. The new interiors are really beautiful and a lot bigger than before. And Sophie rushes to the window and realizes that they're in her old house, like, in her hometown. And Sophie's bedroom is set up exactly like her workshop.
1: Yeah. I loved that detail. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And as she walks in, she turns young and she asks how, why he did this. And he said, because we needed a room that suited you. And then he says, I want to show you something. I have a gift for you. It's a new oh my portal. God. Ladies, a man will never set up a new portal with a secret garden just for you.
1: Okay? <laughs> he won't. He's not going to do that. So Sophie joins him outside. It's a beautiful lake and field of flowers and mountains in the background. And Hal tells Sophie it's a secret garden. Sophie's just in awe and says it's like a dream and the flowers blow in the breeze. And she says it feels so similar even though she's never been here before. So Hal then takes Sophie's hand and shows her a cottage and says it was his secret Um, hideaway and he spent many summers here when he was young then we learn a little bit more he -hmm. explains his uncle was a wizard and gave him this place as his private study and now sophie is welcome to come whenever she'd like yeah but sophie hesitates about going in and says that she has like this weird feeling that he's going to leave and she's like i don't care if you're a monster. And Howell says he's just setting things up so they'll be able to live a comfortable life and suggests that she open up a flower shop using the flowers in this very valley. And Sophie asks if this means he's leaving. And she begs him not to, even though she's not pretty and all she's good at is cleaning. It's always the prettiest girl in the hat shop. It's always (laughs) the prettiest girl in the hat shop. And Howell says... You are beautiful. Oh. He's like, Sophie, you're beautiful. And Sophie turns back into an old woman and says, the nice thing about being old is you have nothing much to lose. Sophie
0: loves you. You have so much to lose. Absolutely. absolutely. So then in the distance, they notice an aircraft flying through the secret garden. Oh no. And Sophie asks if it's the enemies or theirs. And Howell asks what difference it makes he calls them stupid murderers as they fly by and they see underneath that this aircraft is carrying like a fuck ton of bombs and he says they can't just let them fly off with all these bombs so he waves his hand and uses his magic to like i think turn off the engine or stall it like not enough that they'll crash but enough to like mess with it yeah. And as he does this magic, he causes feathers to start growing out of his arms again. So the ship then shoots a ton of these little tadpole monsters to go after Howell. And he holds Sophie's hand as he flies them back to the portal door. And he drops Sophie at the last second so she can just like slip right through it into safety. So later that night, Sophie is sewing in her room When Markle comes in to say goodnight and he can see that she's clearly concerned and he tells her not to worry about Howl. Sometimes he goes off for days on end and she thanks him and says goodnight. She then goes to tuck the Witch of the Waste into bed and the witch just looks at Sophie and says, you're in love. You've been sighing all day. And Sophie sits on her bed and sighs. (laughs) And she asks the witch if she's ever been in love before. And the Witch of the Waste says, of course, I still am. (laughs) Then she says, Mm. strapping young men are so difficult to deal with, but their hearts I just adore. (laughs) So they then hear an air raid siren going off and the Witch of the Waste tells Sophie she best stay inside. Surely Solomon's henchmen are looking everywhere for this house. But thankfully, Calcifer keeps them well hidden.
1: Yeah. Cut back to hell. he is flying through the war zone in bird form. And then the next morning, Markle rushes to Sophie to tell her that a stranger got into the house, but it's actually Sophie's mom. Oh my God. Right. So they meet up. Her mom is thrilled to see her and just rushes to hug her and tells her that she searched everywhere for her. And Sophie brings her mom inside and her mom tells Sophie that she married a filthy rich man, so they can all live together again, and she won't have to work as a cleaning lady. Oh
0: my god! In the past week like, that I you've been it. that you've been missing, and I've been supposedly looking for you, I actually got married.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, you look like the person, the type of person that would be like, you know, we we're a couple of dates, and the guy is just like, I can't. I gotta. Can you marry me? Yeah. But Sophie says that she's happy here. And her mom is like, oh, my God, I asked them to pull over outside like I have to run (laughs) by. Okay. Sure. And once she leaves, the witch of the West rushes over to the bag Sophie's mother left behind. And in it, she finds a peeping bug, like a little blobby bug. Mm,
0: Courtesy of Sullivan, naturally.
1: Absolutely. And the witch tosses it to Calcifer to eat. And in the bag, she also finds a cigar. Um, (laughs) Meanwhile, outside, Sophie wishes her mother her happiness with her new husband. She's like, I love you, so glad to see you. And in the car, as Sophie's mother is being driven away, she tells the driver that she did as she was told and now take her to her husband. And more quietly, she just says, like, I'm sorry, Sophie. Like, I hope you can forgive me, in the palace boy, says Madame Solomon will be pleased. Sold out her daughter. Yeah. It was interesting because I feel like when I first saw the mom character, like when she's just working as like a hat maker, I was like, I can't tell if she loves her and she's just super like happy-go-lucky or if Mm -hmm. she's kind of just like, I'm married, rich, no work for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, she does kind of like, – it seems like she waltzes in and out of town. Like, she was just off on a trip going to, like, buy more hats for the shop. So, yeah. Yeah, I think in the book there's actually, like, a second sister as well that they ended up not including. Because, like, even Sophie's first sister, they barely show her she just has that one scene. Yeah. So we just don't really get a lot of insight into her family life. But, yeah, the, the, other, the only other thing that we know is – presumably that their dad passed away and left them the hat shop.
1: Right. Right. Because I'm also like, she seems so unencumbered mm-hmm. and just doesn't care about the hat shop.
0: Yeah. So as they drive away, Sophie and Markle stand on the street and they notice all these people leaving town because of the the air raid warning. And Markle mentions how Sophie's mom invited her to live with her. And then he like, quickly runs to hug her and begs her please please stay with us i love you sophie please don't leave us oh and she hugs him back and says of course i'll stay and he looks up at her and says because we're a family right and she says Aww. yeah we're a family hmm. i'm always such a sucker for like a found family storyline so i really i really love this movie for that so later that night, Sophie is having a hard time getting Calcifer going. Like, he's kind of low-key burning out. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, the Witch of the Waste cigar is just stinking up the place. So Sophie tells Markle to go open a window, but the Witch of the Waste says not to because Calcifer is too weak to keep this place hidden from Solomon's henchmen. Yeah. Suddenly... Bombs are dropped on the town and Sophie rushes to close the window and for some reason she decides to like run out and check on the shop so she runs outside to see that like fire is burning up the nearby buildings she then of course is about to be approached by blob men this time they Mm work for the palace not for the witch of the waste. So she rushes back in and locks the door, but they manage to like seep through the cracks of the door. So as she's running back to the house, she sees a ton of bombs being dropped from above. One is going directly to the house. Mm. But flying up on it is Howl, and as bombs explode all through the town, Howl manages to stop one from landing right next to Sophie. So she rushes to hug him, and he says, I'm sorry, I should have got here sooner. And then the blob men start squeezing their way into the courtyard. So Hal brings Sophie inside for safety. Thank God they make it. And then he uses his magic to uh, bring Calcifer back to life. He tells him to hang in there. And Calcifer is like, oh, I'm not feeling so good, man. Like, I ate something real weird. And Hal turns to the Witch of the Waste and is like, let me guess. That cigar was a gift from Solomon. Like, put it out right now. That and the peeping bug that he ate, obviously, is what's making him weak. So he then tells Sophie to stay put and says that Calcifer will protect her from the henchmen. And Sophie runs up to him and begs him to stay. But Howl says there's another wave of bombs coming. So so she suggests that they just run away. But Howl says, I'm through running away. I now have something I want to protect.
1: You. Not (sighs) me. Not Hermione. You. (laughs) Later on, Sophie opens the portal door to the secret garden where it is raining. It's covered in smog. And in the distance, she can see her town and an airship go down in flames. Sophie tells Calcifer they need to change the portals because if they don't break away, Hal will keep protecting the hat shop and get himself killed. Markle warns Sophie they're about to bomb the hat shop. So she sends the witch of the waste outside and tells Calcifer he needs to come with them. So she picks him up with a shovel, and he tells her if she takes him outside, then the castle could collapse. And Sophie's like, exactly. Exactly. So she then steps out of the castle, pulling Calcifer out last, and the castle immediately crumbles and falls apart. An airship flies overhead, and Sophie finds a way for them to go back into the fallen castle. So... um, she can set up some wood for Calcifer to cling to. She tells them they need to move the castle so they can tell how they're not at the hat shop anymore. But Calcifer says there's no chimney here, and he keeps getting dripped on. It is pretty fucking
0: crazy that she's like, all right, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to destroy this castle. Now,
1: kick it into high gear, buddy, because we're a (laughs) move-in. Right, right, right. eventually he gives in and says he needs something of her so like he can't do it by himself. Whew. So she offers him her hair and he munches off. <laughs> he be chewing and yuck, he be yucking it up. About 70% of her hair which gives him the power to flame up with his big fire muscles and just get on chugging again. It is also very, you know, tangled
0: coated with the the
1: chopping Tangle of the coated. hair. <laughs> Cause now she has a bob too. A bob bob season, bob girls. Mm-hmm. And you know, the castle, not the same, but it's on its way. And he tells Sophie, Imagine what he could have done with her eyes or her heart. Wow. Okay. <laughs> This is when the Witch of the West realizes that Calcifer has Howl's heart. (gasps) And yeah. Oh, my God. Big reveal. Sophie spots Howl in the sky being swarmed by tadpole monsters. And just then, the Witch of the West pulls Calcifer off the fire and grabs Howl's heart for herself. The castle starts falling apart. The Witch of the West is literally... I keep saying West. The Witch of the Waste is literally catching on fire, trying to hold on to Hal's heart. Oh my God. So Sophie has to like splash a bucket of water on her. And this extinguishes Calcifer, and the castle falls apart. <gasps> no. Sophie falls into a ravine. No! So
0: somehow, Sophie and Heen survive this fall into
1: the ravine. <sighs> Sure, I love animation.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and she is distraught by what she's just done. She, like, put Calcifer out. She also worries that this may have killed Howl, too, because let's not forget, the two are connected. Mm-hmm, Calcifer mm-hmm. is literally Howl's heart. Correct.
1: Correct so, window.
0: as she cries, her ring starts glowing blue. <gasps> And then Heen gets her attention, so she sees that the ring is not only glowing, but it's, like, vibrating and moving. So she asks the ring to lead her to Howl, and the ring shines a path to the portal door from the castle. Mm. So she opens it up. It's pitch black inside, but that is where the ring is pointing. So she goes in, followed by Heen.
1: That's called faith, baby. Mm-hmm. That's called love. Yeah. So Sophie is in the portal followed by Heen, and she makes her way to this small room. It's the cottage in Hal's secret garden where he lived when he was young. Oh. I know. And Sophie and Heen go outside where they see falling stars landing on the other side of the lake. As one lands, it illuminates a young Hal. Sophie runs through the field towards him as the stars continue to fall around. And Hal catches one of the stars and holds it in his hands and swallows it. He holds his hands to his mouth and then reveals his heart in the form of calcifer. Then Sophie's ring explodes and the ground gives out from under her And as she falls, she yells out to Hal and Calcifer, telling Hal, it's me, Sophie. I know how to help you now. Find me in the future. Oh my gosh. And lest we forget, what is the first thing
0: that Howell says to Sophie in the movie? Do we remember? Let me scroll back up to find the direct quote. What does he say? There you are, sweetheart. I'm sorry, I was looking everywhere for you. He's been looking for her his whole life because as a child she said, find me. I'm dead. Child. I'm alive and I'm dead. <sighs> Aw. It kills me every time. And especially knowing that like Calcifer is Howell's heart. Who let Sophie into the castle? Calcifer. It was his
1: heart that let Aww. her in. There's, like, a really great Phoebe Bridgers song. I'll send it to you after we record. Mm-hmm. Like, the the entire time I've been watching it. Let me see what the title of it is. I'm going to break my computer. It's called You Missed My Heart. Mm. I'll send it to you. It, like, I just feel like you could make uh, one of those, like, fan cams mm. for Howl's Moving Castle with this as the... Oh my god. Sound. Which we could do uh, on TikTok. Yeah, I'll have to,
0: I'll have to <laughs> but I will be putting that together immediately.
1: Yeah. So uh Sophie falls through the sky with Heen until they are suddenly able to start walking. Sophie can't stop crying and they make their way back to the portal door. On the other side is bird howl amongst the wreckage. Sophie parts his feathers to look at his face and says she didn't mean to make him wait this long. And then she kisses him and asks him to take her to Calcifer. And Sophie and Heen stand on his foot as he flies them away.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So meanwhile,
0: on the remains of the castle, which is basically just... A plank of wood and those chicken legs still stomping along the mountain. Um, You know, they're going (laughs) strong, honestly. Sitting on top of this plank of wood is Turniped Markle, the Witch of the Waste, who is holding the blue remains of Calcifer. Howl lands with Sophie and Heen on the surface, and he slowly turns back into human Howl. And Sophie goes to the Witch of the Waste saying that Howl needs his heart back now and the witch of the waste is like i don't know what you're talking about but sophie hugs her and very sincerely asks please give it back Mm -hmm. so the witch of the waste says okay you better take good care of it and she hands sophie the remains of calcifer so sophie brings him over to howl and asks calcifer if she gives howl his heart back What will happen to him? So Calcifer says he thinks he'll be okay if she does it. After all, he did survive her dumping water on him. And Sophie holds Calcifer in her hands and says, it's still warm and fluttering like a little bird. And Calcifer says, it's still just the heart of a child. Oh, what the fuck? I know. This movie is so good. So she asks, please let Calcifer live. And Hal take back his heart. And then she pushes him into Hal's chest. And Calcifer emerges from Hal's chest in his original shooting star form. And as he flies around the sky, he says, I'm free, I'm free. And flies Mm. off into the distance.
1: Then the remains of the castle break. Unable to move without Calcifer, and they all fall down into the ravine, sliding, yeah, sliding down the side of the mountain. Turnip Head jumps in front of the plank of wood to stop their fall, and in the process, his pole (gasps) snaps. He sacrificed himself. Sophie holds him and says he saved them and kisses him. And then. Oh my God. Turnip Head transformed he is the missing prince from the neighboring kingdom oh my god i can't believe it i i (laughs) cannot believe it he got the scarecrow spell placed on him and it was broken by a kiss from his true love oh my god (sighs) it's always the prettiest quietest girl girl in in the the hat shop shop that stops the war And Hal just wakes up. He's disoriented and says he feels like there's a weight on his chest. Heart's a heavy burden. Hal tells Sophie her hair looks just like starlight. It's beautiful. Oh, my God. And Sophie then pounces on Hal and hugs him. And the Witch of the Waste tells the prince it looks like his true love is already taken. He'd best go home and make them stop the war. And the prince says that's exactly what he'll do. One thing you can always count on is that hearts change. So as soon as this war is over, he shall return. Mm. And I'm like, whoa. I love it when you talk like that. I'll look forward to your return, big boy. (laughs) Who is she? The witch of the ways can't help herself. (laughs) She is. Yeah, she's doing something. Heen then uses his powers to contact Madame Solomon. Solomon. Solomon? Solomon, yeah. Yeah. And shows her Hal and Sophie. Solomon calls Heen a traitor and says the game is over. It's time to put an end to this idiotic war. Mm.
0: It is definitely, you know, extremely idealistic and the war is able to be ended, incredibly quickly yes through the power of love and like obviously we know that that's not reality but that is why like he describes this as his most optimistic film because we don't see anybody have to go through any bargaining or death or like Mm -hmm. hell and sophie can't be together they're kept apart from some reason like this is the one time that we get to see a true happy ending because we don't get that in life and i think what he's trying to show is like what life could be the the potential that we do have for compassion and love and how that can be transformative if we choose to do so.
1: Absolutely. And I think the struggle that Howell has between like being free and feeling trapped in this like circumstance of having to like support the war and then he also has this whole like – Fucking emotions that he can't deal with. Mm -hmm. And that's all relatable, even though it's in – he's a wizard. Mm -hmm. But that is all relatable content. It's a really well-crafted story.
0: For sure, yeah. And, like, what this movie really hinges on are those very, like, genuine human feelings that we can all relate to, even though it is in this very fantastical, whimsical world with these very extreme Mm -hmm. circumstances. But we can all relate to and feel – Like, we can resonate with the core of the story.
1: Right, right.
0: So to wrap it all up, Calcifer flies back over to to the gang, to the crew, and he appears in Sophie's hands in his fire form. And I love this shot of her, like, holding him in her hands. And he says, Mm -hmm. I kind of missed you guys. Plus, it looks like it's going to rain. And Sophie says, I missed you too, and gives him a little peck. We see the warships below retreat as Hal's moving castle is now airborne and flies through the sky. Mm. We see Markle and Heen playing on this little garden edition that they have on the castle now, while the Witch of the Way sits in a lounge chair. And Sophie and Hal in these like pastel outfits, she's wearing like a yellow dress. He has like a puffy orange shirt on. Mm-hmm. They stand on the balcony and they share a kiss as they sail through the skies.
1: Oh. The end. That's so beautiful. Oh my God. The first image we see of Hal, like in mm-hmm. the very beginning when he meets up with Sophie, he just comes in like a ray. Like he is just stunning. Mm. He's so such a beautiful man.
0: Well, I got to ask, do you prefer...
1: Blonde Hal or brunette Hal? I'm really, like, a brunette gal. Yeah. For me. Same. Same. For me. Yeah. But I do think it was interesting seeing him be the, like, romantic lead because there really aren't characters in the American animated yeah. canon that look like that. Like, no. it's, it's all very hyper-masculine. hmm Like I said, he's wearing earrings and a matching necklace. Yeah. yeah. And – like skinny jeans and a flowy shirt
0: yeah he's very androgynous in his in his yeah. style um and also like a big risk taker in his style too like he has a lot of statement pieces going on and oh yeah even beyond and just he's his, a bird <laughs> yeah and he's a bird crazy but like even just beyond his aesthetics like we really don't get to see male characters like how I feel in western media because of the emphasis on masculinity and like these really harsh gender roles that There are. Um, So I really love getting to see this character that does have so many different facets to him. Like he does have this very smooth talking Mm -hmm. swab side, but then also these like beautiful moments of vulnerability and then moments where he's like really excited and joyful. And then also the darker sides of him when he is, you know, more existential and more in a depression. So I really love getting to see his whole progression um, because it's just a character that... I don't feel
1: like I've really seen in other media. Yeah. And I also just think it's a clever balance between anthropomorphic characters and actual, like, humanoid characters. Yeah. The way that they interplay is so graceful. And it reminded me of Adventure Time. Like, Mm -hmm. I really – I was a huge Adventure Time fan. Yeah. And that's, like, the closest thing I can think of because there are so many, like, imaginative, creative characters in that movie or sorry in that series mm-hmm. but the main boy finn has these experiences that are more adult like wanting to be with someone like mm. having a girlfriend like da-da-da. but he also is like a boy and has this like boyish way about him and i thought that was very interesting too that he had his heart taken as a boy but when he meets sophie she's like well not the first time but when Mm -hmm. she comes and lifts them she is old yeah like she's has this curse on him on herself i guess when it first started we get so many different elements but Mm -hmm. they just all fall together seamlessly like that's the incredible like fine tuning of the story that it all ends up coming together very seamlessly
0: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i feel like I, I I talked about this earlier but this is like such a comfort movie for me and it is in like my top favorite like top five favorite movies of all time yeah. and I think it's because it strikes a really kind of perfect balance between its idealism and being so optimistic while also reflecting a lot of very real aspects of our own world Yeah, in a way that it doesn't feel like oh I'm in a foreign dreamland where like everything is mm-hmm. fine like we do see real hardships and we do see like Horrors that reflect the real horrors of
1: war that um, happen in yeah. our world. I mean, it was a post-9-11 movie. Mm-hmm. We're not even really digging into that. But it's clearly present and presented in a way that is, I mean, more optimistic than a lot of other war movies. And yeah. also makes you think about, like, the individual turmoil of war. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say anything that sounds misinformed. So I don't want to talk (laughs) about it too much. But I do think that he does a great job at presenting the effects that war can have on people Mm -hmm. as individuals and like how that affects your day to day life.
0: Yeah. And like, I think one thing that I find really interesting is the fact that initially, um, the Witch of the Waste is introduced to us as the main antagonist like she's the villain who puts this curse on sophie she's like hunting howl but by the end she's not the villain we actually do see like a redemption arc for her and that the real villain is the system that like puts all these things in place like the real villain is more so like solomon the idea of war Mm -hmm. of needless violence and massacre and um I like that it's just a lot more nuanced than one would expect, especially from an animated film, which, you know, animated films often get kind of written off as just for children. And I really love when the medium is used beyond that. And I think this is a a great example of that.
1: For sure. Well, that being said, what would you rate Hell's Moving Castle?
0: I mean, for me, it's a 10. I know it's not for <laughs> probably for you, but, like, it's one of my favorite movies. It's always and forever a 10 for me.
1: Nice. Nice. I'm going to give it a solid – I'll give it an 8.5. Nice. Give an 8.5. I really liked – I think it's a very well put together movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I do – I, like, want to watch it again because there's so many little details and, yeah. like, there's a lot going on and it was also just like a really fun watch like it's beautiful. The animation Stunning. is gorgeous. Yeah. And I'm excited to watch some more Miyazaki movies.
0: Yeah, one that I watched recently for the first time that I I think you'll probably really like. It has a similar feeling to me as Howl's Moving Castle, not it's not yeah. as like grand in scale, but it has a very similar feeling to me and that's um The Secret Life of Arietti. I just watched like a couple weeks ago. That one is really great. I highly recommend. Ooh.
1: Yeah. No dead, no Thank yeah. you.
0: But yeah, if you are in Canada and you would like to watch How's Moving Castle, it is available on Netflix.
1: And if you're in the US and want to watch the movie, it's available on HBO Max.
0: There we go. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want a little more, you can always listen to our bonus episode on Titanic, on Patreon, right now. You can also follow us on Instagram at Movies That Raised Us. You can follow us on Twitter at MTRU
1: You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. And you can always send us a good old-fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com.
0: Yes, and we will see you next week for our next animated April movie. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.